Wow, I thought there was one more song. There was, it ran out of air. So much more uh, being ready to go, right? <laughs> what was, uh, I'm really enjoying being here because I get to see your lovely faces. Uh, but uh, before I get going, let's, let's have a word of prayer. Father, it is just wonderful to be your children. God, have the opportunity to gather with uh, you today, to commune with you, uh, to love and experience the friendship and relationship we have with each other. Pray, Lord, be with us today. Father, help your word to really get in there, Father, in a way that really helps us to change, uh, to be more like you, to be more like your son. God, I pray that we can really be a great light to the people in our lives, to love them, to give to them, to serve them. Help us in this uh, time of, of Thanksgiving commemoration uh, that we would just be thankful first to you and for all you've done for us and are doing through us and in us, but also just thankful for the people around us. Love them uh, just like Jesus does. We love you before this time together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, so last weekend, uh, last Sunday, I was uh, in New York for the day for a funeral. I, I got the privilege of flying down and Spending the day there and flying was a you know, long day. And, and then this week I was off for work. I had to go to Dallas for a couple of days. And, uh, and uh, so I missed being around you know, other disciples on Wednesday as well. And, and then driving in this morning as I drove by the Valero there on Pine Street, the gas price there said it was $6.93 a gallon. So I wondered, you know, things have obviously changed an awful lot here in Burlington while it was gone. But uh, amen. Hopefully that was. Fake news. I think <laughs> so either the sign was frozen or uh, somebody was messing around with it. Um, go ahead and turn your Bibles over to Romans chapter five. We're gonna we're gonna be uh, continuing in Romans. Uh, I I saw Steve's lesson last Sunday thanks to uh, YouTube, and it was just really encouraging, really great to hear more about the faith of Abraham and the faith that that I can have. <clears throat> But you know, I, I was reflecting this weekend about uh, when I first started dating Jeanette. You know, and so when we were first dating, I had come out uh, to the East Coast for college, and she was still on the West Coast. And this was, you know, a few years ago. You can judge from my gray hair and you know, no, uh, <coughs> in, in nothing on her side that that was, um, you know, 40 plus years ago. And so back then, um, the things that we're really accustomed to today, we didn't have. Nobody knew what a cell phone was. There was no texting. There really was no email. Most people didn't have email. I mean, a few of us at college did, but you know, it was you know, it was not really that useful at that point. You know, we, we we had phones, thankfully, but it was expensive to talk to them. And and uh, Jeanette had a job, and I didn't. So she would call me, and we would talk for long periods of time, and I would rarely call her because it costs money. Um, we would write. So we wrote lots of letters. She wrote lots more than I did, but I still wrote a lot. And somewhere, I you know, when I, last time I moved, I had the, the box of letters. I literally have a box of letters that Jeanette, that Jeanette and I exchanged. I, I don't even know if I, she had mine. I'm sure she does somewhere. But I had this just pack of letters. You know, and you go back and read through it, and she would literally write pages a week to me. <clears throat> so I have all these pages. You know, I think when she was, you know, in class, you know, not wanting to pay attention, she just would write letters to me. Or, you know, when her father was talking to her, she would write letters to me instead of listening. Or, <clears throat> you know, all those things. And so, it, but you look at it, and there was context in those letters, right? There was a context, you know, things like popular songs. 
from 1979. Okay, who, quick, $100, can you name one popular song from 1979? Like, yeah, <laughs> maybe Kansas, right? I don't know, Sticks. Christopher Cross. $100. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> $100 in Monopoly money. You know, or just, you know, joint memories. You wrote about, oh, you remember this time we did this in high school, we talked about that. Or, um, you know, just other letters. Remember when I wrote you the other day about this? Do you remember that? And so those sort of contextual questions in those letters, uh, very similar sometimes to the letters we have in the Bible, right? There, there's context, there's, there's pieces, uh, inference. You know, Paul in Corinthians talks about another letter to Corinthians. We, we don't have that. I don't know what it is. <clears throat> he talks about uh, some of the stuff that he was suffering. We'll hit a little bit later today. You know, how does he refer to it? I had a thorn in the flesh. Does anybody know what that is? Probably if you knew Paul, you would know what it was, but we don't. So sometimes, you know, you get a hold of my letters, which you won't, because I'm not going to let you, because they were quite personal. But there is things in there, what we would call today, you know, things that apply to, like, how we interpret the Bible. Like, I call one of them proof texting. Anybody know what proof texting is? You'll send a second text to see if I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Close. <laughs> it's when you find a passage that says, okay, we'll read this passage and that this proves something I'm trying to tell you, right? So imagine that I wrote Jeanette, you know, I'm really upset with you from 41 years ago, 42 years ago, 43 years ago. Would that apply today? Do you think I'm still upset with her? Occasionally, you might get lucky, and that would be a good proof, you know, excerpt of one of my letters. Um, but we can do that sometimes. We can we can pick and choose. We can say, well, okay, well, I, I read this passage. I know that it's not consistent with anything else in the Bible, but it totally means this. And so we have to be thinking about in the whole context of the relationship, in the meaning, how does that apply? Uh, and then there's other places where there's this context, you know. So can you think of an example from last week of a context that Paul was writing about? Abraham, Abraham, and it was in where in the Bible was was he quoting Genesis Genesis fifteen and seventeen fifteen five or six where he says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Well, you know, a good idea would be what go back and read Genesis fifteen, maybe go read all of Genesis, but definitely go back and read because Paul was pulling that understanding forward that context, and there's other places where he'll bring historical context in and. It doesn't hurt to understand what it meant, say, to be a rabbi or to be a student of, you know, of a Jewish teacher or those types of things. <clears throat> and so just encourage you to do that, to continue to do that, and, um, and uh, we'll work on that a bit today. I'm just going to work on, on Romans 5, 1 through 11. And so, so far we've been working in Romans, and we see, I think, that the whole world is lost. You know, we saw that the pagan world in Romans 1 and 2 was very lost. We saw more about the uh, in, in Romans 2 and 3 about how the Jewish world was really missing the mark, missing the point. And uh, so we're going to kick off here in Romans 5 and verse 1. And what's the very first word in Romans 5 and verse 1? Therefore. therefore. Okay, my little trick to when you ever read the word therefore in your mind, you go, what's it there for? So you back up. So let's back up into Romans 4.23 and just read. The words it was credited to him was written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. 
So it was credited to Abraham, but then also said it was credited to us. That God is going to credit righteousness to us who believe. And I always like to think of that as Abraham wasn't like this example. You ever done that? You're telling a story or teaching something. You go, oh, what's a good example of that? Oh, maybe I'll pull out this example of writing letters to Jeanette. There we go. That's an example. Uh, This is not that. This is not, oh, Abraham just a good, good example of being a faithful man. No, Abraham was part of the story. Abraham is part of the, the overarching story. Remember Jesus said in John 8, I can make sons of Abraham from stones. <laughs> so being a son of Abraham was important. Uh, that, fully, that connection with Abraham was important. Jesus said, uh, but faith is more important, I think is what he's saying there, but uh, in that particular passage. But So this idea that we are on that path, we're part of this. Well, let's start reading uh, in verse 1. It says, um, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the, hope of the glory of God. All right, we're going to get a little bit of help here. <clears throat> So in Romans 5, in this first section, it's, it's sort of like, uh, I've heard someone say it's like a rosebud. Anybody ever grow roses? No, my wife grows roses. And so when you first see the bud, right, you know, it's, it's very tight and compact. And you know inside of there, it's got an entire rose. It's already packed in there. You don't really get a bunch of a clue, but you get the gist of it. <clears throat> and then as it starts to open up, you get a little bit more of the impact. And then... A couple days or a week later, you get a full rose, right? It's all there. And so I just use that metaphor to think about Romans 5, verses 1 and 2 is really the beginning. It really contains everything that's in verses 1 through 11 in those first two uh, verses. And then it expands a bit more as you get into uh, <clears throat> verses um, 3 through 5. And then 6 through 11 sort of opens the whole thing up. So you can sort of think instead of this, these are all basically a continuation of the same thought here, right? So let's look at let's look at this what we just read. You know, it says we've been justified by faith. <clears throat> faith, you know, one way I like to think about it is trust. You know, when you have faith in something, you trust it. You know, we've all seen that that story of somebody falling backwards, right, and they catch them and, and they don't hurt themselves. <clears throat> you know, sometimes faith is even believing when you don't know that you're falling. <laughs> You don't know that there's even you know a possibility of being caught. There's that there's something behind you, but he says here that it goes on that we are going to get to rejoice in this hope. Now, rejoice is the same word in Romans as boast. So we've used it before. We've seen it uh, that they are they're going to boast in the hope. They boast in some other things. You know, their own self-righteousness in other places. Abraham boast, could have boasted in his works, you know, Romans 4. But here it says that this is going to result in us having peace with God. Hmm. Peace with God. So, do you feel like you need peace from God? You need peace from God, you need peace with God. You know, Colossians talks about it. He, he says in Colossians 1.21 that... You and me, we were alienated from God by our evil behavior. So just our evil behavior separated us from God. And yet in, in verse 27 of Colossians 1, it says that uh, the, the hope of glory is Christ formed in you. So we're going to come from being alienated, separated, disconnected from God to having the hope of glory, which is Jesus Christ forming in us changing us, transforming us 
making us different people. And it really was the goal all along. And Isaiah, Isaiah 40 and verse 5 prophesied about the desire that all flesh, all people, I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago, uh, will see the glory of God. It never was just for the Jews or not for the Gentiles, but God's desire was that all people would have the opportunity to see the glory of God, to participate in it. What does it say there? To have access to it, to be able to be part of that glory of God. Continuing on, verse 3, it says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. A lot here. Remember that rose is opening up a bit more. But it says that we we boast. Uh, Other translations will say rejoice is another way of saying that. Uh, You can also think of it as celebrating in your sufferings. Anybody want to celebrate in their sufferings? You know, really, sufferings, it's what Jesus went through. It's it's part of the of the Christian walk. You know, we're we're in this we're in this time when the new the new uh, the future world, the future life, the eternal life is being revealed. And yet we're still in this old life, in this old worldly life. And one writer said it's like, it's like this chafing. You know, it's grinding together. You know, we're at this intersection of, of, of heaven on earth. What did Jesus pray? <clears throat> Let your will on earth be done on earth as it is in heaven. And yet still, we're still in earth. We're still suffering. We're still physical. We're still, <clears throat> you know, enduring it as we, as we are part of the kingdom you know, and why why boast in your sufferings? Ugh. Well, that's the place where God really has to work. You know, it, you know, it says in 2 Corinthians 11.30, Paul says, if I have to boast, I'm going to boast in my weakness. I'm going, to, I'm going to boast in those things. I'm going to celebrate those because those are the places, I believe, where God has to show up. You know, it struck me that isn't it so easy to confess your, your, uh, your successes? Yeah, I'll, I'll happily confess my success, right? I, 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 was, I did this, but all of a sudden it's so much better. You know, I, I worked on this, and I call it my, I, my term for it is, is do-it-yourself, DIY Christianity. I took this principle, it worked, and it's so much better. It's great. And, and you should. You should celebrate successes. That's nothing wrong with that. But how about thinking about confessing our sins, our shortnesses, our weaknesses? There's where we really need God. You know, the, uh, I like in this passage, in our, in our sufferings, right? The things we're suffering through, you can't control those, can you? For the most part. I mean, some, some of my sufferings I brought on by my own stupidity, you know, my own uh, lawlessness, by doing things I shouldn't have done. But a lot of times, <clears throat> suffering comes through just working or being connected with other people, <clears throat> helping them through their sufferings, through their challenges. You know, sometimes they come through your family, through your, your children or your siblings or your parents, and they're just going through physical sufferings, or they're going through emotional sufferings, or they're just going through pain. And you, because you're empathetic, because you're partnered with them, are experiencing that as well. And it's, it's really there for you. It's, it's really trying to help you then learn what from this passage? Perseverance. Suffering produces perseverance. For everybody, does everybody gain perseverance when they suffer? No. That's a, it really is a choice, right? You choose 
will I persevere through this? You know, will I will I learn from it? Will it, it make me different? Because there's, you know, all the all the social scientists here, all the coaches in here, you, your personality traits are pretty consistent across your life. The personality you have is something that is largely consistent throughout your. You know, if you're an extrovert, you know, it's going to be really hard for you to change and become an empathetic introvert. Or vice versa. You can work. You can get closer. <clears throat> you can be sympathetic. But who you, who your personality is, really stays the same across your life. That's what science tells us. But your character now that can change. Your character can be different. And really, what is character? Character is what's inside, right? <clears throat> it is how you see things. Do you see? Oh, this 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 challenge is happening. God, what are you doing? <clears throat> or this challenge is happening. Oh God, this is really hard. I think you're building perseverance in me. Or <clears throat> this challenge, this suffering is happening. I I know God's changing me. You know, Jesus said, you know, uh, for the joy set before me endured the cross. Right. He didn't go. This is awesome. I love this suffering. <clears throat> he knew that there was something much better beyond it, and he trusted that God was going to work through it and really was going to change him. Yeah. You know, and, and you think about this character change. Has, has anybody here changed in their character at all? Something? Everybody's got some character change, sure. right? Sure. Um, and, but you think about it, 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 it takes time. That whole word perseverance implies that it takes time. You know, it would have been really awesome that the day you were baptized, you came out of there totally transformed. Yeah. I used to be I used to be impatient and you know, and I had all these challenges going on. They're just all gone. It's all perfect. It's it's, it's awesome. Awesome. Um, but what does happen over time is that Holy Spirit's working in there as you persevere, as you press on, as you develop, then this character changes in you. Your heart changes, the way you feel things, the way you engage them changes, and that gives you hope. So you know the next time something crazy happens, you go, okay, I, this is hard, but I really believe that it can change. And it's because when you became a Christian, God put his Holy Spirit in you. He, you know, it says in uh, in uh, Titus 3, 5, Galatians 4, 6, that we got the Holy Spirit that came came at us when we were baptized. And, you know, it says here, it's interesting, doesn't it? It says that because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. So God has let his love come into our hearts. I believe that really he's given us the ability to love him to love other people as well. Because it says a little bit later there that um, in the next passage we'll read that it's God loves us. You know, Romans 8 talks about that too. In Romans 8, 28, you know, that uh, everything works for the good of those who love God and have been called according to his purpose. But then it goes on to say that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So we love God a little bit. God loves us back a lot. It's this connection, but he empowers that. He makes it possible through the gift of the Holy Spirit that he's given us. And it really empowers us. Now, we're going to continue on in a second. This is allergies. Water doesn't really help. Thanks, Lynn, anyway. Sure. I appreciate it. So this passage, starting in verse 6, is probably one of the longest statements that really ties in into how the death of Jesus reveals the love of God. You think about it. Sometimes we've heard it said, that God was just being pacified by sacrificing Jesus. But that just doesn't really make sense, does it? Because God is this angry dude who is so mean that the only thing he can do to be, be uh, swayed is to kill his own son. 
It just doesn't really make sense. When you really understand it to be that God is a loving God, you know, John 3 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son, right? And that God is giving this loving gift, we're going to talk more in the next next time we come back to Romans 5, that by giving this free gift in Jesus, that the Messiah is God's very self. Jesus is an expression of the Father's love. All right, so preface that, let's go ahead and read it, starting verse 6. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare die. But God demonstrates this, excuse me, demonstrates his own love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he says here, Galatians 4, you know, echoes it. It was at just the right time. Just the right time. Uh, and he talks about dying for the ungodly. It's the same word as Romans uh, 1.18. Remember about the ungodly chose not to seek God and go a different way. <clears throat> You know, people uh, in, had, have and still have abandoned God, you know, and they've let go of him. And, uh, and yet even sp- in spite of that letting go of God, God still reaches out to us and shows his love for us. While we are still sinners, he still allowed Jesus to die for us. And sometimes I stumble a bit on this righteousness thing. What, what is Paul saying here when he says, you know, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man? Well, so so righteousness, you know, righteousness, that's a, you know, a responsible, good person, right? Some people, you know, want to say, what's well, a contrast? A righteous person, just, a, you know, or a good person, really good person. That's a possible understanding. Another understanding is maybe they're just synonyms. Maybe it's, you know, righteous and a good person are somewhat similar. You know, don't know exactly what's going on. Maybe it's just Paul's going, hmm, this just seems, you know, how people understand this. You know, maybe it's just, it's just playing with words here. He's having a musing going on here, but uh, we know for sure is that God did the hard part. God came through and God gave up Christ for us so we could have a relationship with him. In the midst of all that, he was the one that was willing to do that for us. So going on, it says, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? This whole idea of bringing righteousness, a right relationship with God, a just, you know, because you believe God, God has counted it to you as righteousness. I like to say he's put you over the line because you believe, not because of anything you did. And it's, but it goes together with your life. In Romans 4, we talked about the righteous will live by faith. That's how the righteous folks will live. You know, Romans 8.31 talks again about that same thing. But, but you look here, that there's a sequence. You know, you look in, in verse 6, it talks about being powerless. Right? You were once powerless. And then it says in verse 6, But Christ died for the ungodly. So you were ungodly. I was ungodly. And then in verse 8, you know, he, he died for sinners. And, uh, and then in verse 10, he just says, Well, you know, for enemies of God. Now, it's easy to think of myself as powerless. I'm powerless. But I don't want to, I don't tend to think of myself as an enemy of God. I'm an enemy of God. But you know that these really are all the same thing. Right. You know, there's, you know, when you think about what Jesus talked about in Luke 13, he talked about 
you know, a, a, a narrow door mm-hmm. or a narrow gate in, in Matthew and a wide road or a wide gate, right? It really was the folks that were seeking God and the folks that were not seeking God, the folks that were on God's side and the folks that were on the other side. And because of our sin, all of us were on the other side. We were on the opposite side. And only through the blood of Christ did our relationship with, with God uh, was it restored. That's just a hard thing to think about for a minute. You know? It's not a hard thing, but it's like, wow. There's really nothing that I could have done that would have made me right with God except uh, the blood of Jesus. Jesus having that desire to have a relationship with me. And, and this section, you know, the last verse here, verse 11, says not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. You know, boasting is an extraordinary claim. I'm boasting in this. You know, as I mentioned in Romans 2, the Jews were boasting what? That they were guides to the blind. You know, you just look at me and you'll see God. And that will be your salvation. That will save you. And, and uh, Paul said, no, no, that kind of boasting is crazy. You know, or Romans 4, where Abraham, it says, you, he could have boasted in his works. But it says that Abraham had nothing to boast about before God. Nothing to celebrate. Nothing to brag about. Nothing to lay claim to. And yet it says here that we, we rejoice, we boast, we celebrate in our relationship with God. Because I think literally because we have chosen, you've chosen the path of Jesus. And that path is the path of suffering. That's the path of perseverance. It's the path of developing character. Uh, it's the path of hope. You have hope because you've chosen to follow Jesus in that relationship. You have the hope of his blood saving you. You have the hope of that eternal life, that eternal relationship with God, that connection with God for eternity. In just a minute, we'll pray and take a communion. But I want you to think for a second just about that you have been reconciled. You have been brought to God through the blood of Jesus that really has given you the opportunity not just to suffer, but to persevere, to build, develop character, and to have hope, eternal hope, uh, that's in Jesus. And so as we enter into an, any suffering, we can really look ahead, like Jesus did, to the fact that we have the promise of God to be connected with him beyond this suffering, beyond this challenge. Um, I want to finish up in Hebrews 3 and verse 6. It's interesting here. It sort of ties it together. It says, But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house, if we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. You have a hope that you can truly boast about, rejoice in, and celebrate in Jesus. Let's pray for you. Amen. Father, it's uh, just... Encouraging and challenging in the same in the same mouthful to think about uh, just what you've given us, how you love us, how you put your Holy Spirit in us, how you've given us just a desire to love you, uh, and in the same time you you've uh, allowed us to endure sufferings. God, some because of our own sins, some because just of the ways of this world. Gotta pray that as we suffer, as we endure as we uh, just continue to seek you, that you would really build character in us, help us to have that heart and spirit that Jesus had to seek you always, to persevere. We know 
that we have great hope because of that. We're so thankful that Jesus went ahead of us. We pray as we commune today, as we take the bread and the juice, that we'll reflect on just the path that Jesus has paved for us, the connection with you. Help us to be thankful uh, just for how you loved us and gave yourself for us. We love you. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.